Hagige daf Yudamud Aleph, when to change your mind, Ba'apinishbati. Any of you know from being a leader, whether an educator, a leader of a team, or a parent, that there's quite a balance that one has to find between agility and flakiness. There are times when we have to make a decision, and there are times when we have to draw back from our position and from our decision and acknowledge that the decision might not have been the right one, and one needs to be able to do something different. So as a leader, that's incredibly important to know when is the time that one should be saying and one is able to say, I made an error or circumstances have changed or I have got some new information and uh, and not to be stubborn about that, but to be agile. And on the other hand, one can't be a person who's constantly changing your mind, making poor decisions and then having to retract from them. And from our piece of Gomorrah today, which deals uh, with the area of Hatarat Nadarim, the fact that one can make an, a vow and one can ask for the vow to be annulled, that concept of annulment is something which amazes the Gemara. The Gemara is, is, is surprised by it, and we'll see why. Uh, but it also gives us some of the principles by which we change our mind when we've made decisions that have to be modified, altered, or completely cancelled. Uh, the Mishnah says, This whole idea that you can make a neder, you can make a vow, and then have it annulled, doesn't really have any firm ground to stand upon, says, says the, the Mishnah. And Rashi explains that Mishnah by saying, This idea which the, the rabbis have taught us, that a chacham, a, a Talmud Chochem, can be matir aneder, he can undo the obligation of an oath. Um, it's hardly mentioned in the Torah. And therefore, it doesn't have anything to rely on in terms of verses in the Torah. But this is part of the oral law, which has been handed down from uh, Sinai, from Moshe to Yeshua, uh, and, and so to the Zkenim and so on. Uh, this has been handed down throughout the ages. This, this can be done. And the ways in which it can be done, we have a whole Masechta Masech in the Darim that deals with, with that idea. So the Gemara is quite concerned about that because if you think about it, then why should one be able to undo a neder? You've made a vow, you've undertaken something. That that vow should have to be absolutely unviolable. Um, and the, and yet we see that it isn't so, that, that one, well, not that one can violate it, but one can certainly have it changed and modified. The Gemara says that Rabbi Yeshua, that's not really correct what the Mishnah has said, that there's no basis for it at all. There is a basis for it, because we have a posuk in Tehillim, um, I swore in my anger that they will not come to my resting place, uh, says, says King David in the, uh, in the Tehillim. Says the uh, Rabbi Yeshua explaining it. Hashem is explaining and saying, I was angry, I was furious when I made that oath that the people who came out of, of Egypt and, and served the golden calf and, uh, and, and then sent the miraglim, sent the spies into the land and questioned the validity of the land, that they won't come to Eretz Israel. And I, with, and I changed, I withdrew from that and changed my mind. Uh, Rashi explains that El Munuchati means Eretz Yisrael, Vedurushalayim, that uh, the promise was they won't come to Eretz Yisrael. And then the um, Gemara goes on to say, Rava questions this and says, I could interpret that verse differently. It's not clear that that verse teaches me that even Hashem is willing to change his mind after having 
made a vow because it could be something different. It could be it could be It could be that the verse means hadranabi. I absolutely swore that, that I wouldn't let them into the land of Israel, and I'm not withdrawing from that. That's a neder I took, and 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 it's an emphasis rather than an excuse. Um, was very interestingly comes along and says that Vihiksha Harav Rabbeinu Elchanan. Rabbeinu Elchanan asked a question. Now the Tosfos of uh, of Amasech of Chagiga and probably Moed Katan as well are mainly those of of Rabbeinu Elchanan. Uh, he's the person who edited them, who put them together. Remember that Rabbeinu Elchanan is the Talmud of Ri. Ri is the great grandson of of Rashi and the the, the very great. Um, foundation of the Tosfos, a, a, a disciple of his uncle, Rabbi Natam, and, and continued in his place and led the Tosfos movement. So Rabbi Khanan asks the question of his father. This is so beautiful. Once again, going back to, to uh, the 11th to 12th century, um, beginning of the 13th century, we've got a conversation between father and son, between Rebbe and Talmud, when they learned this piece of Gomorrah. Uh, what was the conversation? You can imagine Ri is teaching this piece of Gemara to his son, to Rebbe Khanan. And Rabbeinu Khanan asks a question and he says, clearly Rava is right when he says maybe this statement in Tehillim is an emphatic statement rather than a denial. That Hashem is saying, I swore and I will stick to it. It's from here that we learn that the entire generation of the desert did not come into Eretz Israel. So you see, God kept that promise. And that's the only way to learn this. How does Rabbi Yeshua think that it's possible even to learn this pasuk in a way that, he, that Hashem is saying, I made my vow in anger and I'm now with, retracting from it. He didn't retract from it. They didn't come into Eretz Israel. What is Rabbi Yeshua thinking? That's the question of, of Rabbeinu Elchanan. V'tiretz lo hari, and his father answered him. So here we have the dialogue. The high cry, love beviat Eretz mishtai. This pasuk should not, according to our should not be learned the way Rashi learns it in Tehillim. Rashi explained that El Menuchati means coming to Israel. But says, Ri, it's clear from our Gemara that what it's talking about, this is talking about whether the generation that came out of Egypt and sent the spies and questioned the value of Eretz Israel, whether they have a chilek, whether they have a part in the world to come. That's, if they come to my place of resting, that means the world to come. It doesn't mean Eretz Israel. Umatsinu Tana de Amaran, we find one Tana in Sanhedrin who says, Dora Midbar Yeshlahim Chelik Lolam Haba, that the generation of the desert do have a place in the world to come. So it makes sense that he would have, that Hashem reversed from his oath. Just the oath was not about going to Eretz Israel, the oath was about Olam Haba, and from that he withdraws. And we have the Gemara in, in Sanhedrin, which you'll see in the, in the notes, where we have a Machlokis, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Eliezer, as to whether the Dor HaMidbar has a place in the world to come. Rabbi Eliezer says, absolutely, they do. And so what do we do with the Pasuk of Ashenish Bati Be'api? Here we see to the basis for Ri's comment that Ashenish Bati Be'api Im Munuchati is talking about the world to come because that's the subject of the conversation in, in Sanhedrin, Daf Kufiud what do I do with that verse? Yes, I swore, but I swore in anger, and I've withdrawn from that. Explains Rashi. Because it uses the word in my anger, where Hashem explains, I made this 
earth in my anger. Mashma, we see from this, I can withdraw from that. I can question, I can undo the force of this earth. Because Hashem says, I made this oath in anger, not when I was settled and, and clear in my mind, so to say. It's like Hashem speaking as if he's a human being. And Hashem is teaching us here that even Hashem can find a reason why the nadir he took, the oath that he made, should not be valid. When I made the oath, I didn't anticipate this circumstance, the situation as it is, the situation which I now see coming to me, because of my nadir. I wasn't able to foresee that circumstance. And therefore, material law, we undo the vow and we allow the person to continue as normal. Of course, in the case of Hashem, this is not Hashem didn't anticipate, Hashem didn't foresee, and Hashem did it in, in anger, but Hashem is teaching us that the ability to withdraw, the ability to say, I made a mistake, I couldn't foresee this. Had I foreseen this, I wouldn't have made the nadir. The ability to say that is not only not a weakness, it's a strength, it's a divine strength. It entails great humility. Stubbornness is the weakness. The, the desire to stay with what you've decided and to stay with what you've said, no matter what, no matter how the circumstances have changed or your situation has changed, just to stay with it absolutely, um, that's not consistency, that's stubbornness. That's a lack of agility. Agility is to be able to see the need to make a change. And if we look at this, and, and here this becomes very relevant to, to leadership, because when you do need to retract, you've said something very emphatically, this is the direction we're going to take. These are the decisions we've made. These are the products we're going to produce. This is the market we're going to move into. Or whether you've made that, that conversation, had a conversation like that with your family, we're going to uh, emigrate, we're going to go on Aliyah, we're going to move schools, whatever it is. And there's a need later on to change one's mind. And the child or the team you're leading says, but you said so clearly, you set us in a certain direction. Why are you changing? To just change on a whim is the flakiness. To just change because I didn't think it through carefully enough. But if there are circumstances which I couldn't have foreseen, if there was a situation that I couldn't have known would emerge, then not only is it okay, is it, is it the right thing to do, is it, is it fine to change my mind? It's, it's a divine attribute. It's a middle. It's a characteristic of, of Hashem himself. It's a characteristic of humility to be able to say, but then you have to explain. Then you don't say to your team or to your family, I've decided to change my mind. That, that's autocratic and self-centered. But to be able to explain to people, when I made this decision, this is what the world looked like. When I made this decision, this is what our circumstance looked like. There have been changes in circumstances, changes which I failed to anticipate or couldn't possibly have anticipated. And therefore, it's necessary now to be agile and to make some changes. So although the, the, the law, normal decisions that one makes in a business or in a home are not matters of nadarim, sometimes they are because the truth is if you make a, a very emphatic statement of intent without saying, this is not an oath, uh, then there's, this is, um, uh, there's a requirement to actually fulfill what you said. This is, you've given your word, you've made a statement. So there is an element of nadir in every emphatic statement of intention that we make, unless we say beli nadir, which often we don't. And so in the, the, the case of, of leadership, we can learn from these principles of nadir, even if they're not specifically technically nadarim, but we can learn that even Hashem 
has the, so to say, uh, humility, the, the, the realness to be able to say, when I made this decision that the people of, of, of Israel coming out of Egypt were not going to get Olam Haba, I was in a state of anger and fury. And now that I've watched them and I've seen them and I've seen them do tshuva, things are different. And the situation is different. And I'm going to undo my neder so that I'm not going to be bound by, bound by their neder. You too need to make decisions, you need to make choices, you need to be firm, you need to have direction. But there are times when situations and circumstances change. There's a need then to withdraw from that decision, to change your position, and to explain to the people you lead the reason for the change, why you couldn't have anticipated it in the first place, and why it's important to change direction now.